0: It's a process where once the keep file comes back, somebody gets removed from the keep file after their work has been checked off and it bounces onto to the next person. And then they go through and they do their 30 steps. They get checked off the list. It bounces on to the next person. So during the day, it goes on through
1: several people.
0: And so at any given time, we might be working on 12 shows at a time.
1: I'm Jennifer Tribe, and this is Supercasters. On this show, we interview world-class podcasters and industry experts about practical podcast growth strategies and how to build sustainable, independent businesses that thrive on a strong relationship with your listeners. I'll tell you something about me. I'm a little obsessed with productivity. Some might say a lot obsessed. I'm all about efficiency and getting stuff done and systems and to-do lists. That's It's just my jam. If you're into that stuff too, you are going to love, love, love today's interview with Angela Brown. And if it isn't your jam right now, this interview might just push you there. Either way, there is so much to take away from this chat. Angela is the host of a show called Ask a House Cleaner, which she has been producing daily since 2017 in three formats. Every single day, she produces an eight to 10 minute podcast, a YouTube show, and a blog post. And the system, the production machine, that she has built to create this show is phenomenal in the way it makes use of producing in parallel and repurposing elements and documenting everything. After more than 1,200 episodes, Ask a House Cleaner is a well-oiled machine and it makes money in its own right from sponsors. But more than that, it's a massive marketing funnel for Angela's core subscription business, which is a training program she sells for $65 a month. Now, if you're listening to this in a spot where you can't take notes, you might want to access the transcript afterwards. You'll find a full transcript of this episode on our website at supercast.com. And don't forget to become a premium subscriber to Supercasters to unlock the extended interview with Angela, where she talks about a unique marketing program that drives a ton of subscriptions for her training program. All right, let's jump in. Angela, welcome to Supercasters. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Yeah, now you produce a daily show called Ask a House Cleaner. It's a daily podcast, YouTube show, and a blog post. So each episode is about eight to 10 minutes long, but you produce all three five days a week, which is incredible. So why don't we start with why all three? Like you started that right from the very beginning. You didn't start with one and then branch out. Why go with all three? Because I'm insane? No,
0: (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, When I started the business, um, it was kind of a pivot. I'd never done an online business before. And I decided as I was moving from the house cleaning industry into house cleaning training online, that it was really important for me to be where my audience was. The rest of the world has gone to the internet and they've gone online. And then I asked myself, if I'm going to do a podcast, will I ever regret not having done a YouTube show? Or if I'm going to do a YouTube show, will I ever regret not having done a podcast? And so I decided that after giving it some serious thought, that why can't we do all three? Why can't we start where we are and just repurpose what we have instead of coming back five years later and say, oh, man, I wish we would have done this. Can we do it from the very beginning? And so what does that look like? For me, I had to stop and say, what skills do I have right now? Which was Nothing. And what resources do I have right now, which was nothing. <laughs> and what editing skills do I have? which is like nothing. I'm like, oh, that's going to be cool. Let's just jump in and we'll perfect it as we go. And so from the very beginning, it was a decision of, I don't know any of this, but if I'm going to learn it, I might as well learn it all at once. And I might as well just go for broke and then figure out a way to repurpose it at the same time so that I'm working smart, not hard. And that way I don't ever have regrets of saying, gosh, I wish we'd done this years ago.
1: Now, several years into it and several thousand, or I guess over a thousand episodes into it, you have this well-oiled process. It's like a machine where you know exactly what needs to be done and when. But talk to us about those early days when you were still trying to figure things out. What was the process you were going through as you were figuring things out?
0: That's a great question
1: because I didn't know
0: what I didn't know. And so as I started out, I started out saying, oh, I want to have a podcast. I didn't know what that looked like. I want to have a YouTube show, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I went to the CES show in Las Vegas, and I went around and I asked all of the people that were at the Adobe Labs and all the different spots along the way, if I was going to learn a piece of editing software, which one should I learn? Because I have to learn one, but I don't want to come back six months down the road and go, oh, I wish I'd learned this one instead. Everybody directed me towards the Adobe Creative Suite because there's the audio portion of it with Adobe Audition, and there's uh, Premiere, and they link together which was really helpful for me because if you do the audio editing for a podcast, you can sync it with the video and the audio editing then is already done and you don't have to do it twice. So for me, it was a work smart, not hard effort. If I was going to learn one program, I might as well learn them both and then integrate them together. So that's what we did. In the beginning, it was just me. So I liked the fact that it was just me because I wasn't counting on guests, for example, to come be a part of my show because I didn't have Well, quite frankly, I didn't have the skills to do the the contacting people and to do the waiver forms and scheduling and all that stuff. I just, I wasn't set up for that. I wasn't equipped for that, but I knew I could count on myself. And so what does that look like for a show? So I sat down and I said, well, in a perfect world, if it was a YouTube show, I'd have all this B-roll and I'd have videos of me doing this and that it would be super cool. But I don't have that right now. Right now, I'm the writer, the director, the researcher, the talent, the editor, the marketer. I'm all of those things. And so if I'm going to do all of those things, I got to do it in a way that makes sense for me. And so I was listening to podcasts like, what is a podcast? Oh, they're hour-long productions. And I was like, I can't do an hour-long production, maybe but once a week. And then I said to myself, is it better to do one one one-hour production or to do seven short eight-minute shows? Because it's the same content. And then I said, well, from a search engine optimization standpoint, it makes sense for me if I did seven short shows and I just did one every single day. And that way, I could hit on a different keyword or a different angle of the business every single day. My thinking for that was, if I lose you today, I might win you back tomorrow with a different show from a slightly different angle. But if I lose you this week, you may not come back next week. Or if I lose you for three or four weeks in a row, you might just go on and find someone else's podcast. So for me, it was a strategy of, can I work smart and can I use the search engines to help me gain my place in the market? That was my goal. Uh, So getting started, it was just me. And in the beginning, my days were like 16-hour days. I I don't want to lie to you, but it was a lot of work because I had so many learning curves. Um, I, I was very absent on social media. So I was learning social media and I was learning editing and I was learning video. And I mean, my early videos are just atrocious. I mean, the lighting is bad. The, <laughs> the color correction is off. There were no there was no B-roll. They're just awful. But what can I do? And I would rather get started and be crappy, knowing that every show is going to get better than never start at all. And so what does that look like for me? So what that looks like is I can stand in one spot and I can talk to a camera and I can share the information that I've gathered over the last 30 years being a professional house cleaner. I was confident in my information, but I was not confident in anything else. And I was like, oh, man, this is super scary. uh, What if I screw up? And then I said, you know what? You are going to screw up. It is a fact. It is a given. So get out there and go screw up and get started already. I was like, okay, I can do this. So uh, I was at a trade show and I had gone to several trade shows kind of looking around for ideas. And I walked past a trade show and I got stuck on this gigantic picture at a trade show booth. And it was on a stretch fabric display. And I said, oh my goodness, that is my answer. If a picture says a thousand words, what is my one picture that I can add to the backdrop of every show? And it's the picture that you see behind me of gigantic cleaning supplies. And so I took the picture, I stretched it onto an 8 by 10 stretch fabric display so that it's a trade show booth that can travel with me if I go to a show or something. But it's my backdrop, so I don't have to redecorate my backdrop every day. I can set up my lights, I can walk into one room, I can do my eight-minute show, and then I can leave and go spend the rest of the day editing it and learning the social media and all the other stuff that goes along with it. So in the beginning, it was just me for the first 180 shows. (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's many months of doing daily shows all by yourself. Incredible. But I like how even in the beginning, I mean, the idea of having the background that could double as a trade show booth right from the beginning. So smart about repurposing everything that goes into your show and talk to us too about your shirt. Cause I know that that is another clever way to repurpose content.
0: Well, my shirt, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Everyone in the world, I think, is sick of my shirt. But um, it turns out that uh, I'm not the first to wear the same clothes every day. Uh, Steve Jobs did it. You see Mark Zuckerberg doing the same thing. Uh, Dexter Yeager from the Amway Corporation. They all wear the same clothes every single day. The reason being is we only have so much creative power. And so if you're going to spend your creative power doing something in your business, you want it to be spent on the most valuable things, not I'm looking through my closet. What am I going to wear today? And you spend 20, 30 minutes extra rummaging around for are my clothes clean? Did I just buy the same of everything and wear it? Now, one of the cool things for me, because I'm doing a YouTube show is I had to ask myself, what do I have? What are the resources available to me right now? And I'm a house cleaning show. We speak to cleaning business owners. And so I didn't want to show up wearing like a blazer. And then the next day I'm wearing a fun, cool dress, uh, long hair, short hair. I'm a house cleaner. It's okay if I show up looking like a house cleaner. So this is my house cleaning uniform. The cool part about it is when we're in the same clothes every single day, it reduced the fatigue for decision-making. The second thing is it was awesome for pickup shots. As we started adding B-roll into the show, You know what? It would be great if I had a shot of me doing that. Oh, great. Let's run, go do a pickup shot right now. There are times that I've stepped into screen and I've recorded something and it's not quite what I wanted to say. And I've come back two weeks later to that exact same show and I've done a pickup shot and I finished a show and they seem together. It's the same hair. It's the same look. It's the same everything now for 1200 shows. (laughs) It has been fabulous because it has removed the mishaps that could have gone on in the show and it's created a lot of congruency. And so now at first glance, you see the picture and you're like, oh, yes, that's the house cleaning. But the cool thing is you take the backdrop and you go to a trade show and people walk past and then they stop. and They're like, I watch your show. It's, it's immediate recognition. So it was great for branding as well as just making it easy on myself, because, again, I like to work smart, not
1: hard. That's awesome. I love that idea. We've talked about the process in the early days. Now let's talk about what it's like now. So what kind of team do you have around you? And what is the process for producing a daily show in the three formats?
0: So for me, it always became about, could I afford to hire somebody? And as soon as we started monetizing the show, then I would say, oh, look, we have X amount of dollars. I can hire somebody that will do a project for this amount of dollars. (laughs) So what I did from day one is I made a list and I started tracking everything that I had to do. So the show itself is 172 steps. And you're like, whoa, that's a lot of steps. It's a lot of steps for one person. And as I was doing those 172 steps every day, I'd say, wait a second, I could outsource 30 of these steps to a person for X amount of dollars. So what I did, we use Google Keep and Google Keep is a free checklist. And I love it because everybody has Google and it syncs to all the different Google platforms. So if you're on a smartphone, if you're on a tablet, if you're on your computer, wherever you go, you just sign into Google and all of a sudden your, your Keep file is there. So let's say I were to outsource 30 of those items to you. I would just add your email to the bottom of the keep file, and now you have your to-do list. So instead of me micromanaging you and then jumping in and going, hey, Jennifer, did you finish this? Did you finish that? I can sign into Google, and I can look at it, and I can see what you've checked off, and I can see exactly where you are in the process. Oh, Jennifer's working on this. Let me let her do her thing. And so it reduced the need for me to jump in and try to facilitate what was happening. The cool thing is I've never outsourced anything that I myself could not explain. Because if I can't explain it, then how do I know what I'm expecting? It's like if I didn't know what a loaf of bread was, but I was thinking of bread in my head and I went into a bakery and I said, I'm thinking of this thing that you make sandwiches with. It's got flour in it and probably some other ingredients, but the baker's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, great. And then you leave and you come back and he hands you a, a bag of biscuits. And you're like, no, that's not what I was thinking of. If you can't explain exactly what you need, the results are going to come back to you and they're going to look different from what you were hoping for. And so for me, I had to figure out some kind of solution. This is how we do this in this business. It might not be the best way, but it's my way. And in the event that something malfunctions, I can jump back in. And if you do it this way, I can pick up where you left off and I can finish it. So I created a little template and then I would outsource that template to a person on the team. And so you ask me, what does my team look like today? I have a team of 28 people now that work on different facets of the business, but they've all been hired for little projects that I myself understand. And we all do it the exact same way. Now, the cool part is this, family emergencies and uh, vacations. People are like, oh, I'm not gonna be here on Friday. Not a problem. And we've literally had people editing in the middle of a show, for example. They will get up and they will leave one marker in the middle of the show. The next person can come sit down And they look at the the format and they're like, oh, okay. And they can pick up exactly where that person left off. And you will never know that there were two or three or four editors on the same project. You will never know. Everybody does the exact same formulation on all of our systems across the board. And so it works out really, really well because there are times I've had to jump in and cover for them.
1: So they're all working in the same software and they're all working from the same list of process steps. Are they freelancers? Are they scattered all over the globe and they each pick up little pieces every day or?
0: Yes. Right now, since COVID, everyone is scattered. There are two people that are on location right now as we speak, but everyone else is working from their homes. Uh, COVID smacked us upside the head, just like it did every other business. This is our first global pandemic and everybody in the world kind of went, whoa. And so (laughs) we have moms, moms on our team that are like, oh, we're going to homeschool now. See ya. What? You can't just quit. And they're like, well, we did. And they went from like 40 hours a week to eight hours a week. I was like, whoa, can that happen? And it did. So yeah, it's been a mad readjustment period over the last year.
1: This is an incredible story. The challenge of any project manager is trying to get people on the same page. And it just sounds like with the system, it doesn't matter. You've got people all over the globe doing different parts of a process. They may or may not know each other or have spoken to each other. And yet, as you say, they can both be working on a single file and you would never know that there is a gap. How long did it take you to get that in place and feeling really good?
0: Well, that's a trick question because we're still in that process. And I remember back in my early business, I wasn't going to put up a website because it wasn't perfect. And I remember speaking to a specialist that I hired and she said, where's your website? And I said, well, I don't have it because it's not perfect yet, but I'm working on it. When I'm done and I'm ready to release it to the world, then I'll, I'll show you. And she said, you're going to release it today. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for today. And she said, it will never be done ever. It's a work in progress. And she said, the website you have that's crappy is better than the website you don't. Because if your competitor has a crappy website, people are going to find your competitor and they're not going to find you. So you're going to go home today and you're going to put up your website. And I was like, oh my goodness, I never thought of that that way. So to answer your question, we are still perfecting our system. And so as things work, we go, wow, that worked. Let's do more of that. And as things don't work, we're like, oh. That had some really lousy results. Let's not do that again. And the cool part is we've had the team jump in and give us their feedback as well. We like this. We don't like this. We like working better this way. Uh, In our private Facebook group, we have just a thread, a running thread where people can add their own ideas. What if we did this? Or how about this? Or have we tried this this way? Like, no, that's a great idea. Let's give that a try. And so it's kind of a collaborative effort with a bunch of creatives where everyone is coming together to share their best ideas. And we believe that it's not just the creative team. And then you have other admins that are working. Everyone has a God-given sense of creativity. And if you work with us, we want your creativity. Share with us your best ideas. We do it all my way until we have perfected that process. So that if anybody has to jump in, they can pick up where they left off. But after we have perfected that way, we are way open to ideas and suggestions and tweaking things. And if we find a new way that might become the new way of doing it, and then we train everybody on the new way. Just don't show up on your first day and try to restructure everything that we have because
1: that's weird and chaotic. But come and try to integrate what you have and then help us become better. You mentioned that your production process is 172 steps, so let's not go into that amount of detail, but at a high level, what are the pieces of putting together a show?
0: We have a blog, and we have a podcast, and we have a YouTube show that come out every single day. And so for us, when I record the show, the very first thing that I do is I record it in front of a camera, but I put the microphone on my lapel, and so that is the podcast first. And so as I'm creating this show, I have to do research and development. I've got to know my keywords in advance. I have to know what my topic is and my call to action. What is it that I want you to do at the end of today's session? Whatever that is. Do I want you to go do something? Do I want you to join us somewhere? Do I want you to buy something? Do I want you to not buy something? Do I want you to clean something? What do I want you to do? And then I have to pay that off in the video. The video is a little bit interesting because while it is a video, it's also a podcast And so I have to explain it in podcast terms. If you're out walking your dog and I say, for example, we're going to clean this far above a doorknob. What is this far? Is this a foot and a half? And so I have to say, we're going to clean all the fingerprints a foot and a half above and a foot and a half below the doorknob. So that as you just hit the door on your way out, those high touch areas now have been sanitized and disinfected. So we've got to explain it. If you're out walking your dog, you have to be able to walk through that and go, of course, I know how far this is. So you have to explain it in terms of podcast listener can understand. And that's probably been one of my biggest challenges. Okay, so I record the podcast first and then that gets edited first and the audio gets synced with the video. It's the same video that was recorded at the same time. And a lot of times I'll use visuals in the video, but then we try to add B-roll on top of it. So instead of me just saying, oh, hey, here's an orange cloth, if I can show an orange cloth in action, I might go and uh, record, do pickup shots later so that you can see, oh, look, there she's using the, the orange cloth so that it all pieces together. All right. Once we've pieced together the audio that becomes the podcast, the video goes to YouTube. Once it goes to YouTube, we then hire Rev. Rev is a system that uh, does transcriptions and they will write word verbatim and they will type out all of the words. Those words go back to YouTube and it becomes the closed captioning for the video that now is readable in one hundred and ninety one languages through their transcription service, which is awesome. And then we take the edited transcript and we send it to a blog editor who then writes the blog for the day. And it's basically just cleaning it up. If I said something like, well, to be honest with you, there's no sense that you would put that in a blog. So they might cut out a sentence here. They might tweak a few words here, remove some past tense and make it active tense or something like that. And so that becomes the blog for the day. And so it's a process where once the keep file comes back, somebody gets removed from the keep file after their work has been checked off and it bounces onto the next person. And then they go through and they do their 30 steps. They get checked off the list. It bounces onto the next person. So during the day, it goes on through several people. And so at any given time, we might be working on 12 shows at a time.
1: You mentioned you need to know your keywords and, and what you're going to talk about and your call to action. Do you script your shows or do you sort of go off the cuff? And who does that content development work for you?
0: I do it all myself. I've listened to podcasts that are scripted and they sound like they're scripted. I don't mind scripted podcasts. To me, it's a whole lot like listening to an audiobook. The difference between an audiobook and a podcast though is the podcast is a little bit, I don't want to say raw, but it's more human, if you will. There are people that are making mistakes and they say stuff like, you know, where you don't you don't do that in an audiobook. And so I do like the authentic podcast better than an audio version. So I don't script it, but I script the bullet points. And so what I do then is, you know, what are my keywords? What do I want to focus on? What is the message I want to share with you? Are there three steps that I want to share with you? Are there five? What is the content? And then I work through that in my head. How would I explain this? And then I have to think of my audience because I'm speaking to cleaning business owners and the house cleaners that work for them. And I have to understand that a lot of the people that work in my industry are not English is not their first language. And so something that I might explain to somebody who's, you know, been through college, for example, and has spoken English their entire life might understand things differently than if I were to show you a really cool picture and explain something in terms of a story. So I think through it in my head in terms of how can I relate to that in a story so that while someone is cleaning and they work their way back through what I'm explaining, they can remember the story and go, yes, I remember the end of that. That's what that's all about. And so for me, it's, it's putting together the ideas that I want to present Then when I get in front of the camera, it's showtime, and I'm going to share with you the ideas for that concept, and then I have to close it up with a a call to action, and I get out of there with the show still intact.
1: Of the three formats that you produce, what is the most consumed? What is the most popular?
0: Oddly enough, it's going to be YouTube, and the reason I say that is because that's where we get the most amount of our feedback from. We get lots and lots of viewers on the podcast or listeners, but they don't interact with you the same way that they do on YouTube. On YouTube, people are looking at a phone in front of their face, or they're looking at a tablet, or they're looking at a computer. They're very close to a keyboard, so they can comment with you and go, ah, that was so funny, or I really like that, or I completely disagree with you, or you're full of baloney, or whatever it is they say. (laughs) But they have a chance to interact with you right there. When you're out walking your dog, your phone is in your pocket. And so it's less likely that you're going to pull it out, stop in the street, put on your reading glasses, and you're going to type a note to the podcaster. And if you did, where would you send that note? It's just not a user-friendly platform at all. And so I like the YouTube better for the fact that people can connect with you. I also like YouTube better for the fact that people can see your face. Now, this is interesting. You can have people's Voices playing in your head at all times. And there are podcasters that I feel like they're my best friends. I know their voices. I know their philosophy. I know their company culture. If I were to meet them on the street, I'd be like, yes, we are buds. They'd be like, who are you? But on YouTube, on YouTube, they get to see your face so they can see the nuances when you might be saying like, oh, yeah, we're fine. But your face says, uh, uh-uh, no, we're not. You know what I mean? You can see that on a YouTube video where you can't on a podcast, so it's, it's a very different medium. If you were going to do one or the other, I strongly encourage you to do them both. And the reason I say both is because there are still a lot of people in their cars. There are a lot of people driving to and from work every day. There are a lot of people walking their dogs. There are a lot of people on the treadmill. And if they can't consume your videos, I don't want you to go away and I don't want you to disappear. And there are a lot of people that will never watch YouTube. It's, just, it's not their medium. They will only listen to you on a podcast. So if you're going to do one, my suggestion is, do them both.
1: How how unconventional is that? (laughs) I know you have sponsors for the show and you're able to offer them. It's not this per listener, the way a podcast might monetize or the way um, a YouTube show might monetize because you're able to offer this package deal across all the formats. Can you talk about how you think that helps you stand out or, or make you more appealing to sponsors?
0: Yes. Um, The interesting thing is there are uh, ways to monetize your podcast and there are ways to monetize your YouTube show. And they're not necessarily the same ways. And most of them are based on per click per thousand and based on the type of audience that you're speaking to. So my suggestion, first and foremost, before you do anything else, when you're figuring out who your audience is, figure out who your advertisers are. One of the strongest things that we've done is we said, we are for house cleaners. We are about leaving the world a cleaner place. And that is the root of our message. Every message that we have in 1200 shows is leave the world a cleaner place. And so there are people that are like, well, when you leave the world a cleaner place, that includes vacuums, it includes dusters, that includes uh, air, air filters for your home, that includes whatever. And there are people that will come to us and say, you fit our audience. Okay, great. Because we have a fit. Now we have an advertising campaign. If you don't have an audience that fits, you don't have people that are willing to pay money to support your show. In the beginning, I said, who do we want to advertise with? So I don't want to be a sellout where I just randomly accept money from anybody and everybody that throws money at us. Part of my job right now every single day is saying no to companies that bring me crap products. And I look at it, I'm like, I I can't promote that. I don't believe in that product. That product is not a good fit for my audience. I can't get behind it. So what I did is I put a list of, of people I want to work with, I use your products all the time. I love your products. I want to promote your product. I started promoting their products free of charge because in the beginning, I didn't have an audience. I didn't have a following that, you know, it's just me. But if I love this product, let me share with you why I love it. And then companies started going, wait a second, you love our product. Who are you? What do you do? And then as we started building a following, they started coming to us saying, well, we have a new product. Can you get behind this product? And I've been really honest about not promoting products I don't believe in. I just don't. It's not good for business. It's not good for them. It's not good for me. You get to pick as a producer, as a content creator, you get to pick the people you want to work with. And so I've I've picked lots of companies and I said, hey, listen, here's a package deal. we got a blog. we got a podcast. We've got a, a YouTube show. Let's put together something where I'll give you a 30-second slot at the top of our show and we will advertise your products and we will bring people your way. And they're like, we, we really want to participate in what you're doing. Unfortunately, we only have five shows a week. We have a very limited amount of advertising space. And so right now it's at a premium. And so when you create a show every day, yeah, you have five chances for advertisers. Or if you only have one show per week, you've got one chance. You know what I mean? You might do three or four ads during that time, but you don't have the same kind of volume that you have if you have a daily show. So it's a lot of work, but you get a lot of benefits as a, as a result of that.
1: I know you also have a training program. So you have this daily show, but really it's a brand builder and a content builder and a, a marketing funnel for this training program. So tell us about the training program, what's in it um, and how it's packaged.
0: The training program is actually the business. It's not the YouTube show or the podcast. Those are those are marketing avenues. The training program was always the end goal. And so if I'm moving my business from having a cleaning business and having a team of people out on the road And I'm moving online to doing only training that is the product. So from day one, the training program was set up. And we set up Facebook groups to support that so that as people would come in through our funnel, people found us on YouTube, people found the podcast, that we had a way of interacting with them as well. And then we could bring them through the learning program. So the learning program is all for cleaning business owners. And it's things like chemical safety and personal protective equipment and how to clean your cleaning equipment between jobs so that you're not cross-contaminating a vacuum, for example, from house to house. So it's all about how do you become the best house cleaner that you can be? We have two programs. We have one for employees and one for cleaning business owners. And so it's a membership site where when you join, you have access to all of the available now courses that we have. And then we have regular uh, mastermind sessions that are twice a month, and we have 24-7 network support. And so that is the core of the business.
1: Do you use any of the content from your show in your training program?
0: Yes and no. Um, it's it's a very different series of ideas. Um, when I talk, for example, there, there are general things that you're going to say, in a five- to eight-minute show, where in a 78-page course, you're going to be able to dig into a lot more detail on the reasons why and the psychology behind it. And here's the stuff that you need to know so that this doesn't malfunction. If it does malfunction, here's how you're going to deal with this. Here's how you deal with this with the customer. There's a lot more how-to that we never, ever, ever get to cover in a YouTube show. And so it benefits somebody to join the other program. Now that we have 1,200 shows, we've gone and pulled 380 shows off YouTube. And we've said, actually, these were a better fit for our learning library. And so one of the cool things about putting them on YouTube first was we got to put them out there and find out what people felt about this. We got some feedback coming in. It was research and development, if you will, sharing an idea with people and having people say, well, I use this. Here's how I use this. I tried this and here was my result. And you get a lot of feedback from, check it out, from cleaning business owners, from cleaning employees, from the homeowners. And all of a sudden, you have a really well-rounded topic now that you can say, you know what, this is premium content. Instead of leaving it on YouTube, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just kind of move this quietly over to the learning library where the people now that are in our membership program get the premium content. And the people that watched it on YouTube, well, they learned that information once. They just can't go back and watch it again because it's just quietly
1: vanished. So efficient, right? So we've got this daily show. That we're producing in an efficient manner. And that show is a marketing funnel. It's a R&D and feedback loop. It's a revenue stream in and of itself. I mean, just really smart the way you've pulled all of the pieces together. This would be a good spot to end the, the main interview. And we're going to move over to the private interview room in a minute and talk about another of your marketing tactics. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all about your process with us, Angela.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I I really appreciate the opportunity to join you today.
1: If you'd like to hear that extended interview with Angela, all you need to do is become a premium subscriber to this podcast. It's absolutely free. Just go to premium.supercast.com, premium.supercast.com. Click the free sign up button. And in just a couple of taps, you'll have the extended episode in your favorite podcast player. In that extended interview, I'll be talking to Angela about a marketing program she implemented that pays for itself and trains her followers to open an email from her every single day, and it's one of the top drivers for her paid subscription program. We'll see you there.